0: Encourage you to turn with me to our Old Testament reading, Genesis thirty twenty-five through thirty-one sixteen. It's a pretty good section. Uh, it's a pretty long section here, uh, so it might help to have the your own copy to follow along with, uh, and then as well during the sermon to follow along with. Um, this is God's word, so let's give it our full attention now. And it came to pass, when Rachel had borne Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away, that I may go to my own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served you, and let me go, for you know my service which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, Please stay, if I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Then he said, name me your wages and I will give it. So Jacob said to him, you know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little and it, it is increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now when shall I also provide for my own house? So he said, what shall I give you? Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flock today. removing moving from there, all the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats. And these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come. And the subject of my wages comes before you. Every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. And Laban said, oh, that it were according to your word. So he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had some white in it and all the brown ones among the lambs and gave them into the hands of his sons. Then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees, peeled white strips in them, and exposed the white which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled he set before the flocks in the gutters, and the watering troughs, where the flocks came to drink, so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the streaked, and all the brown in the flock of Laban. But he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flock. And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's, and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous, and had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what was our father's he has acquired all this wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable toward him as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field, to his flock, and said to them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not favorable toward me as before, but the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might I have served your father, yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streaks shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the rams which leapt upon the flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray-spotted. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift your eyes now and see. All the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray-spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there still any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and also completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken away from our Father are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. And we're going to continue. I think this is probably my mistake, though. I should have caught this. But we're going to continue through the rest of the chapter. So uh, continuing on from verse 17. So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Paddan Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to Shear's sheep, and Rachel stole her father's household gods. And Jacob tricked Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he intended to flee. He fled with all that he had and arose and crossed the Euphrates and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him for seven days and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. But God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? that you've tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword. Why did you flee secretly and trick me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs, with tambourine and lyre? And why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters farewell? Now you've done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And now you've gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. Anyone with whom you find your gods shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what I have that is yours and take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and Leah's tent and into the tent of the two female servants, but he did not find them. And he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. Laban felt all about the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, Let not my lord be angry that I cannot rise before you. For the way of women is upon me. So he searched, but did not find the household gods. And then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, What is my offense? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? For you have felt through all my goods. What have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen, that they may decide between us two. These twenty years I have been with you, Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, and I have not eaten the rams of your flocks. What was torn by wild beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. From my hand you required it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was. By day the heat consumed me, and the cold by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. In these twenty years I have been in your house. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your flock, and you have changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side... Surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day? For these my daughters or for their children whom they have borne. Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar, and Jacob said to his kinsmen, gather stones, and they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Laban called it Jegar Shadr, uh, Sahadutha, but Jacob called it Galid. Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me today. Therefore he named it Galid and Mitzpah, for he said, The Lord watch between you and me when we are out of one another's sight. If you oppress my daughters or if you take wives beside my daughters, although no one is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, See this heap and the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness, and the pillar is a witness, that I will not pass over this heap to harm you, and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me to do harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac, and Jacob offered a sacrifice in the hill country and called his kinsmen to eat bread. They ate bread and spent the night in the hill country. Early in the morning Laban arose and kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned home. In our New Testament reading, uh, just a short text from the Gospel of Luke, uh, Mary's song, the Magnificat. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed, forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray your blessing on your word to us, your precious and life-giving word. Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts to receive it. Grant us faith and trust and new obedience, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, the Apostle Paul asks this uh, th- th- this question. He says, "What do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive?" We like to think, "What I have, I earned. Right, my work. Right." Self-made. Uh, I get credit because of my strength, my smarts, my skill. We like to take uh, credit for, for, for the things that we do and the things that we have. Um, and uh, and it, seems, it seems to pay off, right? If I, if I do work hard, then, then I do get the raise. I do get the promotion. If I don't study for the test, I'm not going to do well on the test. If I study hard for the test, I'll do well on the test, and then I'll be proud of my work, and I'll say, you know what? I did it by my own effort, didn't I? God helps those who help themselves. True? Well, there's a sense in which it's true. Right? God's made the world operate a certain way, and he's made it to work so that if you do work hard, you'll enjoy good things as a result of that work. That's uh, so much of the book of Proverbs tells us this. Uh, right, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Work hard or you're going you're gonna to be lacking. Um, that's a good message. It's a message we need to hear. But um, it's all too easy for us to then take the, make, the, make the assumption from that that the things that I receive I receive because of me. And, and, and what I accomplish, I accomplish because of, because of my strength and my resources. And we forget that every moment of our lives, every single moment when we had enough energy for something and enough health and strength for something and the wisdom for something and the skill for something and even the opportunity to do it, all of it is from the gracious providence of God to us. And all of it is a gift from him. God does not help those who help themselves. He helps the helpless who cry out to him for help. This is true for us as creatures living in God's world. And this is also true for us, doubly true for us, in the covenant of grace. Um, everything we have from God, we have received from him because of his Grace, uh, we did not earn our place in his kingdom. We did not earn our salvation. We did not earn Christ coming down to lay down his life for us, rise from the dead for us. We are none of it. He graciously gave all of it. Brothers and sisters, that is the gospel. And we need to live. We need to live under that with that mentality that all that we have and all that we are is all of Grace. From first to last. It's easy to forget that and live under the illusion of self-reliance. And if you do, you might start end up looking like Laban in the passage that we read. Anxious, grasping, greedy, manipulative, just trying to get a little more for yourself. Constantly in competition, trying to exploit everyone around you for your own ends. This is not the life of faith that God has called us To live. He has called us to live in reliance, humble reliance, on His grace. As we look at the text here, we see Jacob and Laban, and uh, Jacob has never been a model for the life of faith, really. He's been more a model of what not to do so far in Genesis, as we've seen. Right? We, we see him in the text here. We, we see him. He's got some of the old habits of cunning and striving in his own initiative and depending on himself, self-reliance instead of faith. But then over the course of the, the text that we read, we, we see him begin to realize the blessing of God, the grace of God, and the unrestrained abundance of that grace towards And and brothers and sisters, we need to understand this for ourselves. The blessing of God for us in the covenant of grace. I want to unpack this text under three headings tonight. Uh, Number one is that the Lord blesses his people. This is the first lesson that we learn here in this passage. The Lord blesses his people. Very basic lesson, but a very vital lesson. we we start out the passage um, in Genesis thirty verse twenty five. Jacob has been in the uh, he's been in this area outside the promised land, sort of an exile from the promised land uh, with with the uncle Laban um, for for a while now, going on some between fourteen and twenty years. Um, he wants to get back to the promised land now because that's all been the plan the whole time. God God promised that he would bring him back to the promised land. Um, but there's an obstacle, and, uh, and it's Laban. Uh, Laban doesn't want to let Jacob go. Jacob's the golden goose. Uh, Jacob's, uh, been, been, everything Jacob does seems to go well. Everything Jacob does uh, for Laban seems to be producing well, and so Jacob, uh, Laban does not want to let him go. Uh, so Jacob goes to ask him, and uh, if he can leave. But notice notice how Jacob argues with Laban why you should let him go in verse 26 of chapter 30. He says um, over and over, he highlights himself. Notice all the personal pronouns he uses. He says to him, Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, and let me go, for you know my service which I have done for you. Over and over, Jacob's pointing to himself and what he has done. Contrast that, remember, uh, with, with the earlier episode back in Genesis 24 where, um, where Abraham's servant goes uh, to this same family to get a wife uh, for his master Isaac. And he says there to Laban, do not delay me since the Lord has prospered my way. All right. Abraham's servant there, the Lord has prospered my way. Jacob, here, I've worked, I've earned, give it to me now. Um, Jacob is so used to grasping self reliance, uh, not reliance on the blessings. Of God, so Jacob's bad here, but Laban is even worse. Um, we look at look at look at Laban here. He outwardly agrees to Jacob's request. Basically, says Jacob, "Yeah, sure, uh, you're right. Name your price. I'll give you your your your, your wages." Um, but he is determined not to let Jacob go, um, and he actually says here that he has learned through divination uh, what. Uh, that that uh, that God is blessing him because of Jacob. Uh, it's translated as experience there um, in, uh, in the New King James, but the word in the Hebrew means divination. Laban is acting like a pagan. He's using this this, this pagan practice to try to figure out what's going on. He's not a not a follower of the the one true God. He he sees Yahweh as just another god among options. Right? Uh, Jacob's got Yahweh. Laban's got maybe Yahweh and a few others, uh, his own household gods, and um, and uh, he is uh, relying on them. And so he tells Jacob, "Yes, uh, sure. Uh, name your price. I'll let you go. I'll give you your wages." But uh, he's uh, he's getting ready to trick him. Um, Jacob asks, Jacob says, well, here's what I'd like. Give me the speckled and the spotted. Um, uh, this would have been a pretty small percentage of, of Laban's flock. He's asking for something very reasonable, um, much less probably than what he would be fairly owed. Laban agrees to it, but Laban's not even going to let him get away with this. Small amount. Uh, Laban separates all the speckled and the spotted from his flock, takes them far away, so there's no possible chance that Jacob can ever earn anything for himself on the terms that they've decided on. This is, this is vintage Laban. He's, all right, his whole moral compass is guided by himself, not by God. Um, his God is, is really just his bank account. Um, how, how, how does Jacob react? Well, he fights paganism with paganism. Uh, he fights uh, uh, cunning with cunning. Uh, he doesn't respond in faith here. Um, he doesn't submit humbly to the Lord's providence, cry out for justice, approach Laban directly and, and confront him honestly about the, the mistreatment. He um, instead devises his own plan. He comes up with this crazy idea that he has. Um, Absolutely no scientific basis to it. Uh, no reason it should have worked. But while the flocks are breeding, right, these are not speckled and spotted flocks that are breeding, but he goes out, takes some sticks, some with speckles and spots, and he puts them in front of the strongest animals that are breeding. He thinks, this is going to work great. Um, and then, by the grace of God, and only the grace of God, it does work. Um, uh, this is... Uh, This is surprising. Uh, This is God's powerful and miraculous intervention showing Jacob that even as he sins, even as he relies on himself and his cunning and adapts what looks a lot more like pagan measures than a life of faith, uh, God is still blessing Jacob. Jacob doesn't deserve this blessing. Um, there's inconsistency here, but, uh, but the Lord is blessing him faithfully and consistently. Love well, this is a reminder to us. Once again, we've seen this punctuate Jacob's life over and over. He continues to fail. He continues to sin. He continues to fall. But the Lord continues relentlessly blessing him. Um, and so it is with us. In our Lord Jesus Christ, we continue to sin and fail and fall. Our faith is often weak. But even in that, our Lord Jesus is our righteousness. And so God continues to bless us. And, um, and, and so because of the power and grace of God, what we see as the passage continues to unfold is that all of Laban's schemes to bring Jacob down uh, end up turning against him, backfiring, and working out for, for Jacob's good. The blessing of God is set on Jacob and nothing can thwart that. God, God has promised in the covenant of grace to richly bless him and nothing can get in the way of that blessing. Um, and this, this is not something that has uh, 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 been restricted in the New Testament. Um, the blessings of the Old Testament are these physical, symbolic blessings, Right? He gets lots of flocks. He gets the promised land. Uh, right? These physical, tangible things. But they're all pointing to the great realities of the, the blessing of God and the New Testament of the, the, the kingdom of heaven. The fuller and richer and better blessing that God has promised his people. Um, it's what, what we're seeing in the text is the determination of God to bless us. He is resolute in his commitment to the in the covenant. To give us the very best. There's no restraint in God's giving to us in Christ. He is lavish on us with His grace in Christ. As Ephesians 1 3 says, He has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We didn't earn a one, but He has given us all in Christ. He has filled us with all the fullness of of God. This is the first, the first lesson of the text. It is the Lord who blesses, and He blesses richly. He blesses for Christ's sake, and He will not restrain His blessing from His people, even though they sin. Uh, the, the second lesson we learn here is that it's the Lord and only the Lord who delivers His people. Um, as we read that long chunk of the of the narrative, there, I think you probably got the sense that Jacob is almost it's almost like he's in captivity to Laban. Laban's family—he's his uncle, but he does not treat him kindly at all. He treats him almost like a slave, and uh, all but name. Uh, Jacob knows he cannot leave without uh, fear of of retribution from Laban. He's—he's he's afraid that Laban's going to try to keep his wives, Rachel and Leah, Laban's daughters. Uh, as well as anything else that Jacob has. Uh, But the Lord sees what's going on, and he appears to Jacob in verse 3, and he says to him, Return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. Notice the intervention and the initiation, the the, the initiative that God is taking here. Um, God God is the one taking the initiative to bring Jacob back to the promised land. He's not waiting for Jacob to figure it out. He's intervening and acting and commanding him to go. And he promises once again that he will be with him. And And uh, as, as Jacob then goes and tells his wives about God's call to go back to the promised land, Jacob starts to show a real change in his character here. In the previous verses, we noted the, the self-centeredness of Jacob's words. He kept saying how hard he was working and drawing attention to himself. But now as he goes to his wives and tells them, God has told us it's time to go, he speaks now of God's blessing. He says in verse 5, the God of my father has been with me. Uh, He says in verse 7, God did not allow Laban to hurt me. He says in verse 9, God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And then in verse 13, he acknowledges God is the one commanding them to return. Uh, so he, he's beginning to see the providence and the grace and the blessing of God on him, and so his wives give their full support. They give him excellent advice. They say, "Whatever God has said to you, do." And they they take their flocks, they take their children, and they they leave while Laban is away. Uh, 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 they they escape. Um, as we think about as we think about. The original audience of this text. It was written for. Uh, it was written, of course. Moses is the author of the of of Genesis, and uh, this was uh, a text that the Israelites would have been reading just as they were, had come out of the Promised Land, and as they see this story of uh, Jacob's. Uh, Jacob's slavery as it were under Laban and then his exodus bringing him brought out of it and then brought towards the promised land they would have been reminded of their own rescue from slavery and oppression and the way the Lord worked to save them they would have seen this there we see this same pattern throughout scripture in our own salvation that it is the Lord who saves it is the Lord who comes and delivers his people and brings them out and rescues them we read of this over and over in the New Testament as well. It is the Lord, right? You were dead on your trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2 says, uh, uh, but God brought you out and delivered you. It is the Lord who delivers his people. The third lesson that we learn uh, from the text it is that is the Lord who protects his people. The Lord protects his people. Um, Laban discovers what's happened. He comes back. He finds Jacob's gone. And he is intending to go and get him back by force. He musters his household men. And he goes out to get him. Um, uh, and, and as we look at the two, right, Jacob on the one hand, running away with his flocks and his children and his wives, and then Laban coming after him. Uh, Laban is the stronger. Right? Laban's got the force. He's, he's got the, the, the power on his side as he comes after him. Um, and it looks like a one-sided fight. Jacob looks vulnerable, but the, as the text sets this up for us, this contest it reminds us right away in verse 24 um, who it is that's going to fight for Jacob. Uh, God comes in a dream to Laban, warns him against doing anything uh, to harm Jacob. Um, but, but Laban keeps going. The narrative keeps us in suspense as to whether this warning is going to work, because uh, uh, Laban keeps going after him. He c- continues to pursue him. He overtakes him. And in verse uh, verse twenty four, it says, uh, "Excuse me." Verse twenty five, it says, "Laban overtook Jacob." Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains, and Laban with his brethren pitched tents in the mountains of Gilead. The words they're used for pitching tents are words you use when you're getting ready for battle. This is a battle encampment that Laban is setting up against Jacob. It doesn't look good for Jacob. Um, And then he comes full of accusations against Jacob, none of them fair, none of them right. Um, But then he acknowledges God's protection of Jacob. He says in verse 29, It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. He recognizes. He might not fear the Lord, but he recognizes that the Lord has put this hedge of protection around him, and he is not to touch him, not to harm him. It's a wonderful encouragement for us, this principle that we see here that, that uh, um God's enemies, our enemies, are not able to harm us. If God says no further, then they can go no further. But even God's enemies and our enemies, brothers and sisters, are um, are, are, are restrained by the almighty power of God. They're not outside his providence, but they're completely under his control you are his and belong to him you're the apple of his eye and his treasured possession and he'll keep you he'll guard you from all foes but Laban has one more grievance um, and if he can prove it I think he thinks he would feel justified in forcing Jacob or perhaps at least Jacob's wives to return with him he accuses Jacob of stealing his household gods little Probably portable little idols uh, representing his ancestors or these are, these are his family deities. or uh, the, the, these, are, these are the things. These are the gods, the idols, he hopes will bring blessing to him. And he, he hopes that he can get them back. He's angry they've been stolen. Um, and he thinks it must be Jacob. But Jacob has no idea about this. He denies it. Uh, he doesn't know Rachel took them. He tells Laban if he finds them, he can kill whoever took them. Uh, and the the tension in the story is getting ratcheted up as the narrator has already told us Rachel took them now Jacob's saying kill whoever you find with it Um, and and then Laban starts searching the tents he searches Jacob's tent it's not there he searches Leah's tent it's not there he searches uh, the the, the, the maidservant's tent it's not there then he goes into Rachel's tent but then we find out where they are Um, uh, um, Rachel's sitting on them uh, the way of women is on her. She will not get up from the camel she's sitting on, and the gods are under her saddle. Um, it's it's supposed to be funny. Uh, it's supposed to be a mockery of these gods. It diffuses the whole situation with a laugh because here's Laban, right, hoping and trusting in these gods, these tiny little idols. Uh, uh, but Laban's, the, the threat of Laban is suddenly gone. Um, uh, he has no power here at all. He is humiliated and embarrassed. Um, God has won. God, God turns this threat into a joke here, uh, showing us that there's no doubt who has the power to protect and bless. It is the Lord, and it is the Lord alone. Laban realizes this, and so he calls things off with uh, with Jacob. He gives up, and he lets him go. They make this covenant of peace. Um, Laban swears by his gods. Jacob swears by the fear of Isaac. See, Jacob is fearing the Lord now, no longer afraid of Laban, recognizing that it is God who blesses, God who delivers, and God who protects, and that the Lord is his brothers and sisters as we as we draw this to a close um, this passage contains a wonderful promise to us that the enemies that the church faces can look so strong and terrifying right jacob was scared of laban um the enemies that we face can look frightening and and powerful The, the, the 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 uh the world, the flesh, the devil, right? They look fierce and, and frightening. They can bring a harm to us and a great threat to us. But, but remember Laban's household gods and the Lord and the contrast between them, right? Our God is the Lord. And He will one day lay every foe underneath our feet. Romans 16.20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. There is no power in the enemies that face us. All the power is God's. And we are His. And He is ours. So we do not need to fear. But all this is ours in Christ. In the covenant of grace. So let's praise Him. And let's walk in faith before Him. Let's pray. Thank you for your word, O Lord. Thank you for your kindness to us in Christ, your faithfulness to us in Christ. We commit ourselves to you and ask, Lord, that you would keep us. For Christ's sake. Amen.